the British Wrestling Experience with Martin, Ollie and Benno. another round of the British Wrestling Experience on postwrestling.com. I'm your host Martin Bushby and joining me as always are Ollie Court and Benno and uh, thanks for holding the fort last time around gents. Um, you know I was off celebrating my birthday so thanks for uh, thanks for covering for me. Great episode um, and yeah we've got lots of stuff to cover this week. Uh, we've got the most anticipated tour of 2018 kicking off. We've got Progress hosting possibly their greatest match to date and and uh, Fight Club Pro and Attack Pro join forces together for uh, Wrestle House 18. So without further ado, we'll get straight into it. Five Star Wrestling. This is a, a promotion that uh, started off the back of a video game in 2015. And uh, they previously run a three-day arena tour to a few hundred people. And uh, they're back with a 12-day <laughs> arena tour broadcast live on the Free Sports TV channel. And uh, myself and Ollie watched this live on TV, but Benno was there live for this one. So, Benno, British Wrestling back on TV. Was this the uh, big break we've all been waiting for? 
Oh, you missed out, guys. Tell you what, when you when you put it there, it's the most anticipated tour of the year. <laughs> that, uh, yeah, that definitely describes five star. Um, it was an experience. It was it was strange. I mean, I went there. I got a free ticket, so I shouldn't complain too much. Um, but it is just a bit strange being in an arena that's set up for eleven thousand people. And I did a bit of a head count. I've seen people say there were eight hundred in the building, but I got as far as about six hundred. So <laughs> maybe somewhere in the middle of those uh, two extremes, but still nowhere near eleven thousand. It was. A, a very strange experience to be in this topped off arena we were all on hard comm sides there was only one lonely merch stand that was selling Rey Mysterio and Rob Van Damme merchandise um, it was just really weird being in there it was <laughs> silent in the ad breaks it just it didn't feel like they'd uh, really thought uh, things through which is really surprising for, for five star uh, I'm sure we'll, get, <laughs> we'll get into some of the detail of the show but That's it was a very shocked <laughs> <laughs> very WWE light presentation I thought there were TNA guys all over the show and it it felt a little bit TNA, um, but just a really strange, disheveled, disorganized advert for Brit Res is probably how to best explain it. The ring bell didn't even work. I mean, I think that tells you everything. Speaking of disheveled, PJ Black, goodness, <laughs> he's been sleeping, uh, sleeping in a bin for the last two years. It looks like. I mean, you know, there, Benno, I mean, there's, there were hardly any people in the arena, were there? I mean, and watching this on the TV, the crowd weren't lit at all, obviously, to, smide the, so to sorry, hide the small numbers that they had um, for the TV presentation. I mean, the main question I've got here, I mean, why did it have to be arenas? I mean, it would have looked a lot better in a, a venue half the size, wouldn't it, Ollie? I'm, well, we've talked to death about this <laughs> on previous uh, incarnations of this show, and just... The, the the monolith that is five star wrestling has just kept moving forward. Like the the guy running it is just so adamant that it is an arena tour. Mm. It like and obviously they they uh, postponed this tour from last year under very shady circumstances. Obviously, um, you know bringing up the Manchester terror attack as a reason, which was pretty disgusting in my opinion, and means that basically we we're free reign to slag this one off as much as we like it's basically a, <laughs> a, a free free target a free dunk um because I, I don't feel bad at all like not supporting this like <laughs> with other brick promotions at least they're doing good stuff so you, you kind of feel bad um like slagging them off but <laughs> with this it's <laughs> you know like it, it's just plainly obvious as benno said you putting 600 people in an arena which fits 10,000 is ridiculous and he's just you know pulling 20s off a, a, a roller of money, just making this happen and flushing it down the toilet, basically. It's like the dreams of somebody in the bedroom, isn't it, putting this together? Yeah. Like, it's basically the promo. As Zach, Zach, Gibson, <laughs> As Zach Gibson said, which yeah, was the he... best bit of the entire show, <laughs> when oh, he just like broke the fourth wall and just <laughs> slagged everything off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, ripping into the fact that everyone had the, the same entrance theme, apart from the American wrestlers, which he pointed out. Just ridiculous really i mean i know you mentioned there that i've heard people i've seen people online say that well, we should cut them some slack this is the first show it's like well it's not really though is it this is the third attempted arena tour um, i mean yeah they've, they've been active for like three years i've been talking about this <laughs> ever since <laughs> i started podcasting like two and a half years ago so 
this has really been sort of that that one case that I've been yet to crack yet. <laughs> yeah, that's it. But I suppose the the boys are getting a wage uh, as Nathan yeah. Cruz was uh, defending it himself uh, online as well. Uh, there's that positive to it. But yeah, I mean, I'm not too worried because it, it's free sports. So how many people are really realistically going to be watching this? They're on three hours every week, which is another uh, big problem there as well. So I don't know how much damage it can do to Brit Res, but it's certainly not a good look and, and not a great introduction. British wrestling for, for any newcomers. Just moving into the card itself, I mean, looking at some positives here, I mean, there were some great British talent on here, and um, we we had, like, um, an opening match featuring Mark Haskins, BT Gunn, uh, Morgan Webster, Nathan Cruz, and um, an import I'd not heard before, I've got to confess, Joey Axel from Australia, and this was for the... Uh, the weirdly named tap or snap title and i thought th- i thought this was a was a decent opener just to look on on some positives on the show benno i suppose <laughs> yeah no it was i mean that's the thing i mean you've, the the british guys who were there and some of the americans as well they were putting a shift in um and attempting to to pull something out and yeah that was probably the highlight of the evening that match uh maybe that and zach gibson and ray mysterio was fine um with a pretty poor finish um, but again at least that gibson came off as as an absolute star there um i think that, that was my big takeaway from the evening as well as a uh, that big opener just in the way he carried himself and again yeah i mean talking positives for mysterio i'm sure he doesn't come cheap i believe his fee is in the range of 10 to 20k so you do ask questions when he's on the same show as a uh, carlito and as a and Chris Masters and other people that are flying out. Um, but yeah, there were many excited kids in the building who were made up to see him, um, who just coming off that Royal Rumble appearance. So there are some positives there. I mean, it was also it was a great vehicle as well to get to see Jody Fleisch doing flips like it's 2003. Yeah. <laughs> um, and he's on Brit Fresh Revival and Bravo. Uh, you know, apart from the fact that the ropes were falling apart as he was trying to springboard off them. Um, so yeah, there were some positives there. That tag match particularly was was a, was a bit of a highlight. Yeah, and, and you noted there, obviously, the main imports were uh, Rey Mysterio and uh, the former Jack Swagger. And I, and I thought these might be enough because, um, I mean, these were the ones shifting tickets here, mm. weren't they? And people like Moose, Chris Masters and Carlito weren't really needed here, were they? And, uh, yeah, it just seemed like they'd fetched them on board just for the sake of having mm. them. And it, it really seemed... Um, quite pointless but yeah like you noted there Benno it's great seeing people like El Aguero, Jody Fleisch and if this means uh, British guys are getting more exposure in a weekly payday then uh, you know fair play to them but I think it's safe to say this uh, really wasn't our cup of tea at all was it Ollie? Yeah, this was just a bizarre way to spend three hours. I was like cooking during it, and you know, you're ready, Ollie. Out. Every Thursday, you're going to be oh, doing this. I, I, like you forget that it's on, going to be on every <laughs> week. Like it's like it's bizarre talking about it, even as a one-off. But they're going to do three hours every single Thursday, and it's like, uh, the, are the imports going to stay here? Like, what are, are they paying for their hotels while they're here? <laughs> What's going on? Like, it's it's a, so bizarre. Like having a, a you know nothing says gritty submission wrestling like a, a five way spot spot first match. <laughs> yeah, that was very bizarre. Uh, Joey Axel is someone like uh, who he, he's gotten like a little bit of cred. Like I've heard his name going around. I know um, from America, big PWG fan Tim Tiaresi. Like met him when he was uh, over on the weekend and recommended hi- him highly to me. So uh, shout out to Tim because he's the one who alerted me first. He does definitely have potential. And I like that they gave him some shine, but like, honestly, what's the point in breaking down any of this? <laughs> it was all just very bizarre. But I will say Zach Gibson came off really, really well. And this is 
such a good thing for him to put on his CV for WWE <laughs> when he eventually applies. Uh, this is like his work experience for that, basically. <laughs> Look, Ollie, they've got a video game to promote here. It's got 2.7 <laughs> out of 10 on Metacritic, so you've, you've got to, you know, they've got to put everything into this. To, so apparently, that's where the money's going to come, mm-hmm. I think. Um, yeah, there's a lot of questions to be asked there about Firestar, and I'm sure it's going to be uh, exciting to, to watch as the, as the weeks go on, but yeah, I think I'll admit uh, I'm not sure if three hours every uh, Thursday is uh, is too appetising. Well, um, it'll be interesting to see, I mean, do you see it lasting the full sort of 12-date tour and beyond here, Benno? No, <laughs> I don't. I really don't. I, I, I would wonder how long they, they stick this out, uh, free sports. It, the big question for me is who... I've seen interviews with the the owners and who's actually requesting it to be like this, to be this arena tour. You touched on it before. It's just, it's crazy. 12, I mean, we don't even have that many arenas in the country. I think it's like <laughs> 15 anyway. So once you've run 12, I don't know where you go from there. And that's if they make it out of doing 12. Because as we've said, they've got to be losing a lot of money here. Rey Mysterio doesn't come cheap. And then you're flying in Carlito to do his lazy WWE superstar mm-hmm. nonsense and Bellator's Bellator superstar Jack Hager. Um, I just I don't see it. Um, I don't see where the money's coming from. I don't know who's paying for all this stuff. Um, and I do wonder. I mean, we can't even. The the frustrating thing here is free sports don't even report their viewing figures um, to Bob, so we can't actually see how well it's doing either. But I can't see it see it doing great apart from the immediate bubble. Um, I didn't hear much talk on this. It's it's the likes of us who are watching yeah, this, and the immediate it's not bubble a isn't going to be tuning in this week. So. <laughs> Yeah, who's left? Who is well, uh, the audience? Moving away from uh, Five Star, uh, Fight Club Pro and Attack Pro join forces once again to present their annual Wrestle House show on the 26th of January at the Starworks Warehouse in Birmingham. Uh, as usually expect with these uh, Fight Club Pro or Attack Pro shows, there was lots of variety on the card and uh, featured uh, the usual lineup of talent. Uh, sadly, Pete Dunn was pulled from the show due to his appearance at NXT and... Um, yeah, the most anticipated match on this card was uh, Omari v. Keith Lee. Obviously, these two had a fantastic match last year for Fight Club Pro. And Ollie, how did you find uh, the second time round with these two guys? Oh, yeah. <laughs> this was a big, meaty battle. Uh, and I liked how dramatic it got at the end. Um, and Lee's promo afterwards, um, sort of hinting that they're going to do a third one in the NEC. That is that's definitely going to be uh, something they can hang their hat on as a draw for that big show, which we're going to talk about in a minute, obviously, because that is a big news coming out of FCP. Um, I'm not sure if I liked it as much as the first one, um, even though I think Lee going over Amari is the right choice at this point, because um, I, I really like that Fight Club Pro is booking it around their four or three young acts, uh, Omari... Millie McKenzie and Kyle Fletcher with Mark Davis, although he's not, uh, strictly speaking, a youngster um, in British wrestling terms. But I like that they're always the focus in at least one match every show. And it, it's cool and it makes the promotion feel unique that it's being built around these people who aren't as established and the established people are helping bring them up. Um, but I still... I. I have a very Japanese mindset in that the youngsters should always lose despite looking good. <laughs> like uh, Kitamura, who's currently in his uh, trial series in New Japan. Like, he always looks amazing, but then loses because he's inexperienced. Whereas I feel the British attitude is put them over, put them over, put them over as soon as possible. Um, which is, So it's weird that Omari won so many matches and beat Keith Lee last year, wins Infinity, and then loses to Keith Lee <laughs> at the beginning of this year. Uh, it's 
it does feel a bit like they're just throwing darts at a, a board to draw the card out here. Um, but yeah, I can't complain with the actual outcome of the match. It was, it was really, really fun to watch and very dramatic. Yeah, I think that's the, the question, isn't it? I think it does seem to be maybe, a, oh God, we've got the NEC coming up. We better uh, put something together here. Mm. But it works as a story for me as well. I think uh, I kind of, my initial response to it when Omari loses here is, hang on, he just won the Infinity Tournament. But what's a baby face without, you know, a little bit of uh, adversary? Um, and I'm well up for it. I mean, the third one at the NEC sounds great as well. I think I, I'd probably put this on a par with the first match. I think I'd have to go back and I'll watch the first match again, but this felt a bit slower, maybe a bit more mm. engrossing. I thought there were points in the match where I thought Omari felt, with it, definitely. Yeah, yeah, I think Omari felt more like a, an equal to Keith Lee in this one. Um, there was a point in the match where they were exchanging strikes and then they kind of fell asleep on each other, like <laughs> two boxers exhausted in the eleventh round. I think they did a lot here to, like you said, despite Omari losing, they they set him up as the equal to Keith Lee. Um, although again, he is still just a he was a great underdog at least in the early stages of the match, which is uh, his uh, his 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 most positive attribute uh, as a wrestler, I think, at the moment. And yeah, I mean, we're we're burying the lead here as well. Uh, Omari actually had some slightly better gear here. He looks like he's bought some badges <laughs> with a with a design on the back as well. That's what a uh, winning the Infinity Tournament uh, mm-hmm. gives you. Um, so yeah, I think it's. You can't. You're not. They're not going to put the title on Omari anytime soon. They look like they're going to start telling uh, story with McKenzie as well. So I think you do need to give him something to do as well in the meantime. And yeah, another match with with Keith Lee is a, is a great idea by me. Yeah, I preferred the uh, first match only only slightly. Obviously, they were both really great matches, but I think I preferred the uh, first match a bit more. What I did uh, find funny about this one was that uh, obviously Keith Lee was in the ring, uh, sort of like saying something to Omari and the crowd went quite quiet to try and hear what he was saying and then someone in the crowd yelled shut up and uh, (laughs) Keith Lee who usually strikes you as being you know a nice friendly giant sort of like left the ring and he was proper giving this guy shit for ages wasn't he (laughs) it took took over about five minutes and I I thought that was quite amusing but um, yeah I mean I know obviously Omari has just won the Infinity Tournament but um, I think losing to Keith Lee is not uh, any small measure is it you know what i mean i think he can recover from uh losing to a keith mm. lee so i don't I I guess, mind I guess my losing. issue is that they've already given him the win so it, it kind of feels hollow then giving him a loss mm. <laughs> it like the effect of it means less i feel but um i mean another highlight uh from this show for me was a uh, team suplex of angelico and zack sabre jr taking on aussie open i thought this was a fantastic match yeah Zach fully healing it up, which he's doing in every promotion now, and um, the suplex team cutting the ring in half for the first half of the match, keeping Kyle Fletcher tied up in a variety of submission moves, and uh, and then it obviously inevitably got the hot tag to Mark Davis, and it was a double teams galore, and uh, madness all over the ring. Benno, I thought this was a, a great tag match. Yeah, it was incredible. It was, it was, I thought Zack Sabre and Helico was the seam suplex. Mm. Uh, had a lot of good chemistry and they had lovely jackets as well. I wouldn't mind yeah. one of them. <laughs> Maybe we'll, uh, we should get some post-wrestling ones made for, for us <laughs> in that same design. Um, yeah, I thought they were great. I thought Zack Sabre, again, he kind of bringing out this heel side of himself, uh, getting mean in the heat here. With, there was a point, wasn't there, where Fletcher was in a submission from Angelico and Zack Sabre was on the outside grabbing his arm and putting him in another submission as well. They very much set themselves up as somewhat heels, at least for the sake of the match. Um, and it worked as well because Aussie Open are just so over in that building. I was sad not to be there at this show. This is one of the first shows 
videos I've missed in the last six months for Fight Club Pro, but it came across really well uh, on the VOD. Um, and I just thought it was just just a great match. I don't think they didn't do too many near falls. It was very much in your standard tag match vein, I would say, as a match. But the things they did do uh, were great, and yeah, I think both teams, they had a lot of chemistry, and I'd I'd certainly watch another match from these two teams. I mean, Ollie, um, Aussie Open have only been sort of on the British scene for about a year now, but um, mm. I've not—I don't think I've seen them them have a bad match at all. <laughs> uh, uh, Fletcher and Davis looked really good here, yeah, and they thrive in FCP. As I say, that their matches are kind of built around them, which is something FCP are doing really well. Low key is building the matches around their younger talent. Again, I'm not too thrilled with the result, though. I feel like. I give about 100% more of a shit about <laughs> who scores the pinfall than the person who books Fight Club Pro <laughs> because, like, they do kind of just toss away victories for the young guys when, like, Angelico and Sabre Jr. look like bullying dicks in this one. And I thought, yeah. you know, they're going to they're gonna beat up Fletcher here and then they're going to have to come back and earn it in the, in the tournament in uh, the DTTI. But instead, Fletcher gets a fluke victory, and the moment is just, it's not as big as it could have been. <laughs> but, like, again, I'm taking it more seriously than they want me to. <laughs> yeah, but it's interesting you bring that up. I'd not really considered that. But, uh, yeah, I suppose that's a really good point. They could have built it up to the uh, tag tournament, couldn't they? But, um, yeah, I suppose we're going to have to wait and see on that one. But, um, yeah, I was really impressed with Angelico, because obviously he's most famous for his. Uh, Lucha Underground stuff and, mm. you know, high-flying and everything. And, um, yeah, I thought he, w- he was really good in, in this yeah, match. him and Sabre make an excellent tag team, and you wouldn't necessarily yeah. think it. <laughs> they were great as opponents as well, weren't yeah. they? In the DTI last year in, the, in Manchester, they had a very grounded match that I wasn't expecting either, because you do. You see Angelico, you see those crazy dives he does on Lucha Underground. You forget that he's he's also got this side to him. So, yeah, there's a lot of chemistry there, both as opponents and as a team. So I'd like definitely to see more of them. I mean, moving on to the main event, this featured a whole host of talent, didn't it? We had Chief Deputy Dunn, Chris Brooks, Dan Maloney, Jordan Devlin and Mark Haskins taking on the team of Clint Margera, Millie McKenzie, MK McKinnon, Travis Banks and Trent Seven. And I thought the opening for this was hilarious as uh, Travis Banks' team made their usual entrance out to the ring only for Banks to say they all needed to be wearing the same gear since they were a team. So, you know, after a quick trip to the back, they all came out dressed as Sexy Trav, which is obviously a gimmick Banks used when he first came over to the UK. And, uh, yeah, I thought this was your usual Fight Club Pro multi-man high spot fest. And, uh, yeah, I found it really enjoyable. And, uh, Ollie, I'm getting the uh, impression that perhaps you didn't enjoy this as much as I did. <laughs> uh, it was a, I kind of glossed over... A lot of the match. <laughs> I, I do like when they do the uh, the silly 90s picture-in-picture stuff <laughs> uh, for, the, for the brawls at the start of these silly tags. Um, and it doesn't help you see any more of it, but I do appreciate the gesture. <laughs> um, I did really like um, the drama at the end, though, with Millie McKenzie coming back into the match, um, getting beaten up by Chris Brooks, almost uh, pulling herself back in, but then Ginny pushing her off the top rope and setting up that match. That was all really good. Um, and I thought there was some great imagery going on there. Um, the fans are so behind Millie McKenzie. And mm. I really like that they finally put some spotlight on Chris Brooks. It's like six months since he won the title. Maybe more than that now. And they've done pretty much nothing with him as a singles guy since then. So this felt sort of like a, a, a reset for him. Yeah. But again, like I don't really know if they're going to follow it up. 
Like, is he going to be vicious? Is he going to demand the spotlight a bit more? Or is he just going to be a participant in more crazy tags and not really be a ch- the singles champion? I think uh, with Chris Brooks, I mean, I, that was one of my first notes from this match was, oh, we're supposed to boo CCK again in Vital Pro. Okay, because <laughs> he's on the heel side because it wasn't long ago that he was teaming with Travis Banks against the Homicide and Loki team. Um, that is a big problem with Fight Club Pro. I think it's it's what I think lends itself more to it. It's a it's a live show promotion. I think when you oh, go yeah, to the shows, you get swept up into the individual matches at the moment. And this is one of those matches like that where there is a lot of comedy and you get the you know the great Trent strut at the start and yeah. uh, Trav cracking <laughs> up and Dan Maloney pulling his not amused face into the camera. All of that stuff is fun, but it it doesn't translate as well I think into VOD as it does live. This is your silly. You know, I, I got it down on my notes as a big silly tag, and that's what it was. This is what Fight Club Pro deliver really well. Mm-hmm. Uh, but sometimes, yeah, it doesn't work as a main event, and it had a lot of the brawling on the outside, which again is a, a bit of a, a Fight Club Pro uh, token thing that they always <laughs> do. As Ollie yeah, said, but, it, oh, go on. Oh, there's a difference between you know being there live with a couple of ciders in you and with all your mates around you versus sitting in your living room <laughs> in your pajamas. You, you can follow <laughs> like, the action as well when the brawling yeah. on the outside too. Yeah, and and like but like you said, Ollie, I think the the end of the match was there was some substance to that. I thought it was really interesting them going with Millie and Chris Brooks. I mean, I bought it because going into watching the VOD, all I really knew was Millie McKenzie is now injured, so I assumed she'd been taken out of the match legit. So they got me there when she when she came back out, and they they had some really really great near falls because she is just great in that facing peril role. And I'm not sure on uh, I don't know how Ginny will uh, will shape up in, in Fight Club Pro, but uh, I think it's a, an interesting few for Millie McKenzie definitely gives her something to do as well so yeah although there was a, a lot of comedy in this match and a lot of silliness that's sometimes best experienced live in the building there was some substance here near the end it's just as ollie said uh, how they now pay it off and what they do next with the, the likes of chris brooks i mean as much as i agree with you guys about um you know the brawling on the outside is always uh, hard to follow on the vod I had, I had i had a lot of fun watching this on uh, on the vod so yeah i think i'm a bit more higher on this match than uh, you two guys but um yeah, it's interesting with Fight Club Pro because um, they always throw together these sort of like multi-man matches and they are always fun, but like you noted, it, it just sometimes seems like where some of their storylines are going and like Ollie noted there, you know, Chris Brooks, it, it, you know, he's teaming with uh, Travis Banks one week and then he and then he's not. So, uh, yeah, it, it, where do you see uh, Fight Club Pro uh, going this year? I mean, obviously I had a banner year last year and they made a number of announcements. Obviously, they're doing the... Uh, Dream Tag Team Invitational Tournament at the end of March uh, in Wolverhampton and Manchester, and uh, obviously you noted earlier, Ollie, that uh, they've announced the NEC in Birmingham and Arena, so uh, huge news uh, for Fight Club Pro, and um, I mean, it's the same weekend as a huge game conference, so I'm not sure if it's going to be part of that or separate to it, but um, yeah, lots of uh, big things, Fight Club Pro seem to be um, getting more and more traction, don't they, Ollie? Yeah, the, the NEC announcement is really exciting. Uh, it, that complex is huge, and they got loads of different rooms, so it will probably depend on how many tickets they sell, <laughs> which room they exactly end up with there, um, and what kind of setup they'll have. Um, they got Mako Setamura coming in for that, which is a huge get for them. Looks like they're setting up Keefley Omari, and obviously the eight teams they've got in there. I don't have the, the names to hand right now, but <laughs> like it, it's a world-class field, certainly. And last year's DTTI was really where they made a, a big name for themselves, a big splash. you know. And after that, they moved to the Starworks full-time. 
and uh, just you know <laughs> rolling in money <laughs> basically as as i understand it as you can see from the amount of people they booked for this show <laughs> it certainly can't have been cheap and even if they were uh mostly domestic guys I mean, the lineup's already been announced for the tag tournament, and obviously Ollie mentioned uh, a couple there. Some amazing teams lined up already, haven't they, Benno? Yeah, it's really interesting. I think I was waiting uh, on Twitter for that last team to get announced, and when it was the Briscoe Brothers, I was very, very excited. Love the Briscoe Brothers. I think they'll come across really well live in a Fight Club Pro environment. Uh, but yeah, all eyes are on the NEC. They can, I think they can set it up for any number, so um, they're obviously building towards this show, but it's not like they're going to be expected to hit you know, 10,000 or a silly number like that. Uh, but I think they, they can do well with, like I say, the, the Briscoes are on the card, uh, the Chosen Bros, and really Matt Riddle in Fight Club Pro. That's a match made in heaven. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he's going to come across really well uh, in Fight Club Pro. And I know we had the, the we've got the Gentleman's Club team, which uh, it was supposed to be Chuck Taylor and Trent, wasn't it? Which uh, I really would have enjoyed from their, their New Japan work. It has been great, uh, as well as the PWG and Ring of Honor stuff. Um, but yeah, Orange, Orange Cassidy always gets received well in a Fight Club Pro ring, so he's a, he's an ideal replacement. And we're getting the return of the Lucha Bros as well, Pentagon and Phoenix coming back, which is always welcome in, in Fight Club Pro. They don't all those names there are, are teams that I'm personally a big fan of. You don't quite have the the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega factor that we had last year, uh, which was a big part of why they drew, I think it was, like 1,200 um, mm. for the big show in the DTI last year. I can't quite see them... Um, doing that number um, unless they have got something else to pull out of the bag but uh, yeah I think the I'm not sure if we're going to expect growth this year I just think we're going to solidify Fight Club Pro as this uh, top tier uh, Brit Red promotion and yeah long may it continue because they are you know, we've been a, a little bit harsh in the booking on this show but overall they're, they're a great live experience and they're just a, a fun promotion to have around the British wrestling so, yeah, lots of uh, stuff to look forward to from Fight Club Pro this year. And uh, moving on to progress, they held uh, Chapter 52, Fear No More, Come to Dust. And uh, this had a main event that everyone was talking about, uh, Walter against Timothy Thatcher. And if you were a fan of uh, 90s Old Japan, then uh, this match was definitely for you. I mean, one of the most brutal matches uh, you're going to see, especially from progress. And, uh, yeah, Walter v. Thatcher was uh, was quite the match, wasn't it, Ollie? Oh, yeah, certainly. I I think unquestionably the best match in Britain so far this year. Um, I some people are saying progress is best match ever. You alluded to that uh, at the start of the show. Don't think it's quite that um, because it it felt like a bit like a standalone match, standalone. Um, whereas I think Will Osprey versus Mark Haskins, uh, which is my favorite progress match ever, uh, that felt like. Um, a real renewal of the whole promotion um and just like pushing pushing the bar a little higher whereas this i don't i feel like it was really like clearing that kind of bar um but yeah hugely impressive no matter how you slice it walter just (laughs) stomping on tim thatcher chopping him in the head um and then tim thatcher showing that tenacity that ring camp tenacity that he just doesn't get when he doesn't have the logo on his uh on his tights it's it's a whole different factor he switches on when he is in ring camp mode i feel it brings out the best in him and i couldn't really explain that he does run hot and cold with me but when he is in the ring camp gear you know it's usually very hot um and yeah (laughs) what can you say other than just a, a glorious violent match really good main event um, and they can be very proud of what they achieved with this one. 
Yeah, it was just so engrossing. It was like a, it's the hyper realism, isn't it? That's the the kind of match it is, and it depends whether mm. you're into that or not. But I certainly am, and yeah, I think Thatcher is someone who, yeah, in the past I could definitely, I've never really been too interested in. But here, I think this was the best of him. Like you say, when he's in this environment, when he's, I think a part of it is working with Walter and Thatcher's selling uh, in yeah, the match. But being they're a, very familiar with each other, and um, mm. they they do know how to as you say, sort of inflate that physicality that they bring to the table. Exactly. Yeah, they're just a match made in heaven. And Thatcher, I think his selling is so, was so good in this match, but his facial expressions as well. He just came across as this all-time great babyface that I've not really seen from him before. Mm. Uh, I think part of that is the fact that Walter is legitimately slapping <laughs> yeah. around. And yeah, but that's was... the thing with Thatcher and his facial expressions. Like, in the past, I've gotten annoyed of him for, like, overselling stuff, like, sort of getting kicked in the shin or whatever, and it looks like he's had his leg blown off. Mm. Um, but with the violence that Walter was bringing to him, like, that kind of level of hamming it up with the facial expressions really works <laughs> because when you get chopped in the head the only way you can sell it is like your eyes are popping out of your head <laughs> that's what yeah. would happen <laughs> yeah and that, that stuff works so well because they work that into the match but even the botches get worked into the match as well there was a, a belly to belly at one point in the match where it looked like Thatcher was struggling to get Walter over it was hard to tell whether it was a, a shoot or not but Walter adjusts and lands on him and it works or there was a point where Walter couldn't get Thatcher up for a powerbomb and again you're questioning is it real or not because as Ollie said uh, Walter just decided to start stomping Thatcher in the head instead <laughs> everything just means something in, in the in these types of matches with these guys and yeah I'm not sure I'd go I'd call it a five star match I think it's up there with, with some of the best yeah. progress matches ever uh, but it's a match of a certain style Yeah, <laughs> but that is easily the best British match of the year so far, but it's certainly a bar that can be cleared. I, I think we'll see better than this in the coming 11 months, so I'm not not ready to crown this match just yet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if, if last year's anything to go by, yeah, we're probably in yeah. for another very busy year of a uh, four-star plus matches, but no, I thought they, they told a really great story here, and like it might have been an isolated story within this match. I had questions why it was going on last when I first saw the lineup, but it made sense at the end. It was just a, a really great match, and, and both men uh, showed the, the best sides of, of themselves here. It was just, it was great stuff, and uh, a really uh, positive way for, for progress to uh, end January. Yeah, definitely the right decision putting it on last. I mean, imagine someone trying to follow that. Uh, that would have been uh, quite interesting. And uh, another highlight from the show for me was the uh, three-way match between Zack Sabre Jr., Chris Brooks, and Trent Seven. Obviously, Trent Seven's abs- always absolutely brilliant um, in any promotion he's in, but especially here because, obviously, it was on the same day as the uh, Royal Rumble and he kept pointing at the... Uh, progress banner behind the ring saying oh he needs to get the match over and done with quickly so he could uh, make his surprise appearance at the rumble and uh yeah another in- enjoyable three-way i felt here early oh yeah well <laughs> obviously the highlight was uh it being rumble day and seven starting the match off by eliminating saber jr and brooks <laughs> um yeah you know <laughs> classic trent seven leaning into his uh wwe contract like uh, he's the best at it um and if you are gonna have to if you are gonna you know ladle your show full of uh wwe gravy i don't know what that is supposed to mean <laughs> but if you if you are gonna have to keep referencing them left right and center then seven is the best man to do it in a comedic scenario um i do did find it a bit weird brooks didn't pick up the victory here though mm, yeah. um not sure about you guys 
Yeah, especially if they're going into the next show with with he's continuing to be featured as the top guy and he's continuing yeah. to get in title matches. That, that, that world title stretch. scene it feels a bit um, with Walter, you know, crushing it in the Atlas division. Mm. That feels like the big belt right now, and the world title feels a bit like uh, boys playing with their toys, you know. And uh, well, speaking about the title, um, Travis Banks was defending it against his. Uh, former colleague or friend uh, TK Cooper and obviously um, these two used to be in the South Pacific Power trip together and uh, obviously had fantastic tag matches during progress obviously TK Cooper suffered um, an injury and this was his big comeback and um, I felt this was quite rushed obviously these two you know the implosion of the South (laughs) Pacific Power trip and it it seemed uh, quite rushed to have it um, sort of like TK's uh, first major match back here Benno yeah, it was just strange. I mean, we said on the last show, me and Ollie, that it felt a touch early. Uh, I hope it's uh, you know it's chapter one in a, in a longer term story because mm. the other part I didn't like was it going on so early. I mean, I understand. I mean, like you said before, you can't really follow the Atlas match, but it's another Travis Banks title match going on early. And TK is someone who I probably wouldn't have bought winning the match in the first place. So once you place it there as well, I had no. You know, belief that he was actually going to be winning the title here. Um, as far as the story stuff they're trying to do, uh, I like that TK Cooper came out on his own. I thought that was good. Um, uh, Dahlia Black had been doing commentary earlier in the night, hadn't she? And she didn't. She wasn't here, but I think it made it feel a bit more more serious for her to not be out there with TK. Um, they tried some story stuff with him not going for his dive that got him injured last time, and then paying for it, and maybe subtly being the heel after that you know, trying to use chairs and trainees when he's on the outside. So they did, there were flourishes of what looks like a bit of a, an undercurrent of story going on here. It got quite personal in the middle with, with some hard strikes between the two. Um, but I think the big thing for me was, yeah, just it being early on in the show and in the match as well, they went early to the big moves. I just didn't really buy any of the mm. near falls. Yeah, um, it, I never bought this at this good. level. <laughs> it was just getting good. And then, um, the the story had to kick in, yeah. <laughs> and I think that's why they put this on as the 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 halfway main event rather than the actual main event because they knew this is just going to be a match to get to another match, and that's disappointing because when I did see the match graphic, I was like, oh, that's a really cool match, a lot of history, and then it you know slowly dawned on me that ah, it's going to be the the first of a, a longer term story between the extended CCK verse. Um, and it all just kind of feels like they're hanging on until Eddie Dennis can come back and the real story can begin <laughs> because that Eddie Dennis story is very, com- very compelling. Yeah, I think it hurts Travis a little bit as well because he's been mm. so good being defending champion. Yeah. And I understand at some point you've got to put him in a storyline, but this was the first time I've seen Travis Banks get booed in progress. Um, I think most of it was probably fans of TK Cooper, but... That's not a good sign either. Um, that some of this overbooking, as you pointed out there earlier, it's almost like they feel like they have to do to continue on this story. It does make Banks look like a bit of a schmuck if these two guys are supposed to be his mates. Um, and then you know he's just he's been very naive in this story. Um, and even now, as he starts the fight back, then he starts to get booed. So it's not been great for him. And I just hope that yeah, the next couple of chapters in this story align everybody in the, the position you would hope them to be. And uh, any other highlights from this show, Ollie? I know uh, on the last show you and uh, Bennett were talking about Roy Johnson and uh, he made his big comeback to the ballroom here, didn't he? <laughs> I, I would certainly wouldn't say that match was a particular highlight. <laughs> I was watching it thinking, 
what year is this? I mean, I thought I missed Roy Johnson, but this yeah. is a match I don't want to see no, again, I, mean, I don't think. It was weird to see these guys because, yeah, it's been so long since they used them and it just got sort of parachute in and parachute back out again. <laughs> okay. Yeah, just something. See you when something actually happens. <laughs> and, yeah. uh, I, for me, the highlight uh, uh, was seeing Danny Jones uh, making his progress ball, um, ballroom debut, um, and I thought that match that match got me into it in the end. I, that was my second favorite match on the show: the Havoc and Haskins versus the Welsh Boys. I just wish they would actually do something with Havoc and Haskins mm. rather than just continue having matches for no. Just what did what did you think of um, obviously the Morgan Webster uh, and Doug Williams match? Uh, Vicky Haskins got involved in that. Do you think uh, Morgan Webster will be joining up with Havoc and Haskins with uh, Vicky <laughs> Haskins getting involved in his matches now? <laughs> I, if he do, I would certainly like an explanation of what's going on because as uh, as much as I liked uh, the tag team match, uh, you know it's difficult to care about the overarching story. But I thought Andrews and Jones made a good team, so maybe they can continue on with them in the future. So um, I mean, Progress have been making a number of announcements recently. The biggest one that they're holding three shows in Australia in conjunction with Aussie Promotions, MCW, PWA, and EPW. And um, I mean, Benno Progress by the end of the year will have run Wembley Arena and hosted shows on three continents. I mean, this is absolutely massive for uh, you know a, a British wrestling promotion, isn't it? Yeah, I think that that element of the story kind of goes under the radar, isn't doesn't it? That uh, the progress are expanding this quickly, and yeah, sometimes it has a bit of a negative impact on the product, but you can't help but but be impressed. I think the the well set up for the Australia tour. I think the fact that mm. they're starting to use Aussie Open and give them a more prominent uh, spot on the card. They've got the obviously the New Zealanders with T.K. Cooper and Travis Banks, who are perfect, and even. You know, using Adam Brooks on the, on the last Birmingham show, um, yeah, I think it's really interesting. I think there's uh, there's them expanding uh, in this way. It's they seem to be the promotion that, uh, as far as British wrestling goes, people mostly uh, talk about, especially for international viewers. It's progress that that people mm. seem to to get into, isn't it? And yeah, obviously going over there will we'll probably help uh, give them a whole host of fans. And again, returning to New Orleans as well and going to America. Um, that, that last year it. I think they were the busiest show, weren't they, of the independent shows? Or yeah. at least they had the. There was definitely the loudest crowd, anyway. The, the shows that I watched last year, <laughs> so I'd expect that to continue as well. I think the. It seems like the whole world is going to be over there for for that, yourself included, Martin. Um, and yet it's always good place for for progress to be to get the the product out there, out in front of, yeah, front and center. I mean, Progress aren't the only ones making a number of announcements in the past couple of weeks. Uh, Red Pro, they're also headed to New Orleans for WrestleMania weekend. They've announced Tanahashi, Suzuki, Rocky Romero and Zack Sabre Jr. for uh, their show under the WrestleCon banner. And on top of that, they've uh, announced their Epic Encounter event in May will feature uh, Ishii V. Lee 2. And uh, lots of exciting things coming from Red Pro there, Ollie. Mm, Keith Lee versus Tomohiro Ishii once again. <laughs> I'm I'm glad that I'm gonna get to go to that one because uh, I missed the first one. A uh, bit busy, but yeah, very excited to see that one. One of my fave Brit rest matches of last year. Not featuring a British guy, but you know Keith Lee. <laughs> he's he's made enough appearances to be an honorary member. And to be fair, so is Ishii because he's actually a- absolutely rocked uh, the York Hall when he's been there. So yeah. Can't wait. It's going to be an earthquake. (laughs) 
So, I mean, the final news item before we uh, head out of here, uh, Will Ospreay is uh, out of the ashes of Lucha Forever. Uh, he's starting his own promotion entitled Frontline Wrestling. Um, he posted a status on his Facebook page saying uh, he hadn't been as hands-on with Lucha Forever as he would have liked, and he was sad to see how it all ended. So he's starting a new promotion based in London. I mean, Benno, what are your thoughts on this uh, new promo- Will Ospreay promotion? Do you think we'll ever see it happen? I think the better question is, will the Lucha uh, Forever fans ever get their money back? Um, it's just, I mean, if the, I can't believe this is the lesson that, that's been learned for, from what's gone wrong with Lucha Forever. There's still fans out there expecting refunds for season tickets and for, for shows that were planned. And Will Ospreay, who is uh, part, supposedly he was one of the owners, he was out yeah, in public. if you look at the company's house, he's listed as a director. Name, there's a William yeah. listed there, and that's him. It's just... Yeah, and he's he's claiming he's taken over the Facebook and the Twitter pages, but he's claiming he's got nothing to do with the refunds, and that's everything to do with Ryan Smile. And I just don't think it's a good look. Um, I think that stuff needs to be taken care of first before you mm-hmm. you try and launch this promotion. And you know, you ask copy and paste the Wikipedia page of Pure. So <laughs> <laughs> well, that's another point, which isn't also it? means pro wrestling. So therefore, is completely uh, what's the word? <laughs> Pointless, I guess. I mean, does London need, need another promotion as well? Um, again, I don't think Osprey's really endeared himself as this great all-time promoter. So for him to try and run London, you do wonder how 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 well this is going to go and how long it's going to go. And yeah, like you say, Ollie, the the whole copy and paste in a Wikipedia article as, <laughs> as to what Puro is and trying to explain that this is Puro and it's different from the rest of, of British wrestling. It's just it's just another gimmick, isn't it? And there's just, I don't see the market for it. Um, and again, my, my biggest frustration is for those fans of Lucha Forever who loyally yeah, followed the product and gave them their money in good faith. And to, to date, there's uh, been no real answer on, on what's happening there. I mean, uh, thankfully, it seems people are getting money back, but that's more to do with PayPal rather than everything else, isn't it? But... Um, yeah, it's just, just an interesting one. I mean, uh, obviously, Osprey's fantastic in the ring, you know, and he has uh, brilliant matches all the time, but he just seems to have these sort of ideas, and then he seems to get bored <laughs> of them after about a month. I mean, obviously... Yeah, the, all... the triangle titles. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I was just about to bring that up then. I mean, obviously, he had these trios titles uh, with the with his Swords of Essex mates that he was going to defend all over the country, and... Uh, well, I think that he defended them once, did he? But if if that, and then this Lucha Forever program, and then I, I don't the know if he's joking. He's in Japan half the time, like he well, doesn't exactly. have time to run a promotion in Britain. Well, that was the problem, wasn't it, with Lucha Forever when people yeah. were chasing refunds and, like you said, Martin had Dakota PayPal. He kept saying, "Well, I'm in Japan, I can't help." And it's like, "Well, what's going to happen?" Like you say, if things go wrong with this promotion, uh, I just I don't understand it. I don't understand the logic behind it. Great wrestler, but yeah, as a business fan, there's uh, definitely questions there. I don't know if he was joking, but he seemed to want to. Obviously, he's famous uh, for you know being a backyard wrestler. And he seemed to want to do some. Uh, backyard event in a field as well so i think uh, like a lot of us uh you know he might be slightly ambitious you know especially i imagine the start of january a lot of people are like right i'm gonna do this this year and this 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 and this and then by february you've completely forgotten about it haven't you so uh, yeah i think he has a, a lot of ideas like this and then he goes uh well nah so um it will be interesting to see if this uh frontline wrestling um I like that he's named it after a uh, a brand of flea repellent. Um, and a TNA <laughs> faction as well. <laughs> <laughs> just do a Google a front line and you'll find all this stuff. I just I don't understand this. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, just uh, to end on that, um, yeah, just some plugs here. You can follow me on Twitter at Bushby01. 
Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at BensonRichardE. And you can follow me on Twitter at another Ollie. And uh, be sure to head over to postwrestling.com, check out all the rest of the shows, and of course the Post Wrestling Forum, leave us your feedback for this week's show. And yeah, thanks for listening, and we'll see you on the 22nd of February to talk uh, ICW Square Go and all the latest from the British wrestling scene. <laughs>